Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how is it going today? It's going really well. You know, we're working with a little bit of a different schedule with this Mm -hmm. season, but this is a big one. Yep. Today we are discussing everything we know so far regarding the big changes coming for season 10, including ranked arenas. Normally, a lot of this information comes the first week of the season, but we were fortunate enough to get a lot of information officially released to the press beforehand. So we're going to cover a lot of that. It's going to be really fun. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you join us on Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, get all your third-party pod updates. Link for that is going to be in the description below. If you're interested in receiving ad-free listening, exclusive third-party merch, gaming sessions with Shay and I, and much, much more, please consider joining our Patreon. It's been just an epic amount of growth over there that has really maintained the third-party community. So massive shout-out, big thank you to all of our patrons, and if you're not one, we'd love it if you joined us over there. Come check it out. Okay, we're right into it. We could, Maybe we'll play the news drop, but the entire episode is going to be news. As mentioned, big press release comes out. We have a ton of information, but we're going to start off by talking about ranked arenas and all the details we now know about it. It's a system that I believe Henry and I have been kind of excited and hyping up for for a long time that ranked arenas is going to make that mode a lot more competitive and fun for people and so we're excited to finally at least see a little bit of the behind the curtain how it is going to play so we'll let's break it down we'll just dive into it we'll throw in our thoughts here and there but like a lot of competitive games out there uh, ranked arenas is going to feature two separate measures of skill one your rank and that is going to be your visible skill rating, aka the bronze, silver, gold, all the way up to pred, just like Apex's BR system. On the other side, though, we're going to have an underlying MMR matchmaking rating system. And that's going to be a score assigned to you. It's a number that's invisible to everyone, including you. And this is the number that is going to be used to determine who you should be matched up against in ranked arenas. Talk to me about some of the benefits and the systems behind the scoring system, because I think it's something if you're an apex only person, it's it's different than what you're used to in regular BR ranked for sure. It's definitely a bit odd um, because in a perfect world, you'd think that if you're a silver player, you're only going to be ranked against or you're only going to be matched against other silver players. So the mm-hmm. fact that now we have two and one of them is invisible is maybe a bit concerning, but the benefits of this is that you can adjust your matchmaking rating up and down based off of your performance. So without making you lose your rank just because of a few bad matches, you can maintain where you were at in gold, even if you have a bad game or two, which Mm -hmm. is a benefit. Totally. The quick adjustments, that kind of means that, you know, the matchmaking quality, the odds of you being paired against someone of similar skill actually kind of goes up in the long term this is a system that is very different but it is something that has been proven to work i think the immediate comparisons we saw on social media and the games we've played were like call of duty and rocket league is kind of like ranked systems that we're drawing from in that way just an example so we can kind of maybe explain this a bit better is if you find yourself ranked as silver 
but you've been consistently playing at a platinum level, the system will go ahead and start matching you against other players with a platinum level MMR score. Mm -hmm. If you win these matches, you'll get a lot more arena points, which will make your visible rank catch up to platinum much faster. If you lose these matches, likewise, you'll lose fewer arenas points and your MMR will invisibly drop until you're matched more evenly. It's it's really cool because it it theoretically means like when you load into a lobby and you see, wow, three sweats, like absolute crazies, and your game is really hard, you can in the back of your head know that in practice you're supposed to be rewarded for coming out of that with the win and not as demoted for losing that one at the same time. It's a very complex system. <laughs> it really is. And in theory, I think that it offers a lot of insurance to say, mm-hmm. all right, even if your matchmaking is unfair, which we've all experienced, you're not going to be penalized for it. Mm-hmm. But the concerning thing to us is that the fact that it's invisible, the fact that you will never really know the stakes of a ranked match that will make it difficult to play mm-hmm. and then react to the results. If you go against the team and you're convinced that they are on their way to pred and mm-hmm. you beat them and then you find out that they were actually at a lower MMR score than you and you gained less points than you were expecting, I feel that that will be very disappointing. And mm-hmm. so never really knowing and always having your matchmaking going up and down based off of you know immediate performance it's a risk it's a risk in theory i see a lot of the benefits but i'm cautious about this system going into it one of the things though i do love about a system like this are the 10 initial placement matches they are so fun in any game where i've gone into it with this because no matter how good you are when you start you're going to feel like I can go undefeated and then I'm going to be pred. And I think there's going to be, I don't even know if we're going to be getting masters or preds just like, even if you won all 10, like just from the beginning, I think you might even have to work your way up to that even after the fact. But how this is going to work for a lot of people that are unfamiliar with the system, there's going to be potentially a demoralizing loss in here once or twice. You'll play people that they estimate to be your skill level and then in the placement matches, how it normally works is they'll be like, oh, you won two games against these people? Okay, we're going to throw you up to the Wolves, see if you can survive. If you survive, obviously good. If not, you might have died really quickly and you'll be right back to where you were. It's, love it's, the placement matches. <laughs> the placement matches are pretty funny, so I'm excited to see how people react to that. But we have a couple kind of facts just on the rank system, how it's going to work that we know for sure. There's going to be no uh, entry cost to get into the rank system. No points for kills or assists, and that means that wins are the only thing that determine the points you get, win or lose. I know that's something you are pretty excited about. You're a a winner-go-home kind of Apex Legends player. Yeah, always play to win, I think, is kind of my main takeaway, and certainly in arenas. I mean, Mm -hmm. the weird thing about the point system here is that the win score... If there's no kills, there's no entry costs, there's nothing, no assists, nothing like muddying the water. If it's only the win and that win's rating or weight is determined on the mystery ability of the other team, 
you're making a really cut and dry system a little more complicated. I mean, we initially mm-hmm. predicted that you'd get more points for less rounds winning. Yeah. Um, we didn't get something like that. This is much more um, number crunching behind the scenes in order to find the perfect skill. I think right now we can only hope that it works. Yeah, we can we can definitely hope that it works and it is important to have some reservations right now. Some other stuff though, really interesting. There's no demotion protection in this mode. Uh, you will receive reward based off of your max rank, but that is very echoing of similar systems where you can get to platinum and you can go straight back down to silver if you're, you know, you lend your little brother the sticks or something for a long, long time. There's going to be no splits for ranked arenas, so that's different, obviously, than what we're used to right now. There will be loss forgiveness of zero points for disconnected match or teammates, and abandonment penalties will remain as well. And those are our facts for ranked arenas. A lot a lot of details going in, but I think, needless to say, we're very excited about this. I think that mm-hmm. this is a major element for Apex, and I believe that ranked arenas could put apex higher up on the map as an esport based off of this feature alone i think this could bring in the attention of phase clan hundred thieves i think this could be a very compelling new game uh essentially from a two-year-old title so i think it's pretty cool we said it when Ranked came out, but we were really excited for its future in the pro scene. And this is one step closer to that. We're going to start mm-hmm. to see who the best of the best arenas players are out there. Maybe it'll be the same BR players that we all know and love. Or maybe we're going to get a lot of people that are going to start to seriously make a name for themselves off of their arena skills. So going to be really, really awesome to see. Let's talk about the new arenas maps, though, that we're going to be getting going into Season 10. Yeah, so we're getting three new BR maps put into the rotation. One from Kings Canyon called Hillside. This appears to be the town between Bunker and Air Base. That's a fun one. Then we that have, was news to me. I didn't know that was the name of the map. Hillside? Yeah. Like that was that's never been on any of the maps. We know they all have their kind of like unnamed uh-huh. POIs, but still names behind the scenes. But this is one of the first times we've actually gotten the full name so i'm excited for more arenas maps where we'll kind of find out some sneaky names potentially totally i definitely thought i heard hillside and i thought that was going to be on the opposite side of bunker so (laughs) that was an interesting name then we have dome from world's edge i think that one's pretty straightforward it's another one of the circle arenas maps which i think is Mm -hmm. really cool style and then we have oasis from olympus and there's some big questions around this. Can you go under or not? I yeah. think it's the big one because that could really stretch out games and make it almost like a zip line fight. It, it would be so crazy to me if you could play under because then you would just wind up with games where it's like a zone heal off because yeah. people were, you know, one team was below, one team was above. And I'd, Unless they have some way to kind of like work around that system potentially, I could see it being a real struggle in some games if you can play both over and under. It would be kind of fun though still at the same time. I think the one arenas map that I want to see is Carrier. I think having a long column could be a really cool way to go. But Whoever gets shoots better, just straight down the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Outside of the BR maps, we also have into the rotation as always, now Party Crasher and Phase Runner, as well as the newer map Overflow. Um, in ranked, these maps will rotate every 60 minutes, but in the public lobbies, they'll go through every 15 minutes, kind of as they've been going. Um, so should be able to get a lot of practice in with these new BR maps, and I'm really excited. I think the arenas is where I'm going to be putting some time in. Yeah, I think you and I are both right now planning to get on a serious uh, arenas grind at the start of the season. I have a question for you. You've now said you've been talking a lot about playing arenas lately, playing a lot of overflow, I'm assuming. Are you excited to have it come in as a permanent mainstay as an arenas map going into the next season? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think overflow is fantastic. It's my Mm -hmm. favorite map by far. I don't think that's a... That's a bold claim at all. I think it's I'm very right there popular. With you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just so fun. I will say that it doesn't have the verticality that other maps may have. Um, and so I've struggled to play Legends like Valk or yeah. Pathfinder just because I don't feel like I'm getting the full benefit from their kit. But outside of that, the, having the lanes and avoiding that small building, I think Overflow is a wonderful map that I'm going to hope for in the rotation let's keep it rolling though let's talk about the season 10 launch trailer the gameplay trailer that came out what were some of your first impressions from watching you can start with either one you get to choose pick your poison (laughs) i mean there were some incredible trailers for this season you know this is the big 1-0 season Mm -hmm. 10 it's a big deal Um, emergence yeah Like, this is serious. Um, But the massive map changes to World's Edge, I think, really caught my eye. And the fact that Bloodhound got a bit excited with the the destruction of Hammond and kind of the seismic activity, um, Mm -hmm. you know, putting paint and banners on a lot of Hammond POIs. (laughs) They went uh, crazy. That was a little bit funny, but also, you know, good on Bloodhound for fighting the good fight. It's a it's definitely an interesting season from a story perspective, what we're going in with in that, you know, we kind of knew the Harvester was going to eventually do something. And now we're seeing that actually happen. Can it recover? Because we've never kind of seen a map go full circle from all this you know we doubling down now on the destruction. Yeah. Are we going to save the planet or is it not going to ever happen? We know Bloodhound's voice actor has talked a lot about how this is the Bloodhound. They are going to have a very passionate season and they are not happy with Hammond and the story at all. We are very excited to see how that kind of plays out right now. No doubt about it. I also think for the uh, launch trailer, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I felt like the animation was something else. Like, maybe it it was the same similar style but i just felt like there was even more detail it looked so much more fluid there was so much movement going on and seer if we were just going off of like the launch trailer in terms of skill that is a bad bad man that guy just melted through everybody at one point or another he certainly has finesse um yes the style and all the the hand gestures it's clear that he's a he's an artist and has a little bit of dance background perhaps 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Seer. That was one thing. You know, we got this press release for the game updates. We're going to kind of dive into those now, and then we'll follow it up next week with some of the stuff that's in the official patch notes. And we're going to dive deeper into the map changes as well next week once we get some time to play them. But for Seer, there's two things before we go into the abilities, which we know everyone is probably very excited to hear about. One, I thought it was really cool that they came out and said that this was the first time they mo-capped, not like a combat kind of person or a stuntman, but they mo-capped a dancer for all of his in-game movements and animations. It's very apparent. You already mentioned it, essentially, and I think it just looks absolutely amazing. The other thing is we learned a little bit more about Seer's lore from the teasers that have come out this last week, um, which is you know, you and I, we saw this and we were beyond hyped. The teaser has Rain Day now as officially a canon character in Apex Legends announcing at the arenas. And we hear them talking about how Seer has played in the arenas for nine years before finally getting upgraded to the Apex games here. Yeah, really interesting piece of lore there for sure about mm-hmm. tying the arenas and the Apex games as very much separate entities. Um but man, Rain Day, love that. You know, maybe someday Congrats. the third party will will get a feature in the game. But I mean, Rain Day is a hero for both of us. And right now yep. he's at the Olympics uh, doing some commentating over there. So yeah. incredible stuff from him. And and now in the game uh, that he, he loves and plays, it, it's very exciting. It's really awesome stuff. We are beyond happy to have him. But let's do it. Let's talk about Sears' abilities. Walk me through them, Henry. First off, we have the passive ability, Heart Seeker. While aiming down sights, Seer can hear the heartbeat of nearby legends, helping him discover their location. The range on this is about 80 meters, according to the lead game designer, and that compares to Bloodhound's scan being 75 meters, so very similar in range to that ability. I know a lot of people are freaking out about the idea of a heartbeat sensor because of its relevance in the call of duty scene and Warzone, it's a very much an instrumental part of winning for a lot of people okay we were joking though before we came on and we and our behind the scenes with our patrons about the sound of this if it is like the teasers how intense that might be you know in your headphones once you start hearing a big bang 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 as you're aiming down sights and that being distracting do you have any initial impressions though of how impactful this might be or if you're excited to kind of see it play out i i think it's too early to make a major judgment on this i mean Mm -hmm. i look at a ability like this the fact that it doesn't appear to have any visual to it that it's just an audio based passive we already have such loud footstep audio and you know that sort of game element that you you know if somebody's in the building ahead of you without you know, being able to hear their heartbeat. You can hear their footsteps perfectly well. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this will have major power. I'm kind of hesitant to say that it will, but without playing it, without seeing it, it it could be incredible. But Mm -hmm. the fact that I just don't quite know and the range is kind of hard to assess, um, I think we just have to kind of sit back and wait. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking like right now is the main use case in my head is, so many people, you know, you're running around with your team and you're like, I, I thought I heard something like or something like that. You will have the ability now to either check that or have a teammate check it for you and know if that is true. Because the last thing you want is to run into a team that 
is crouch walking or something and just kind of sneaking up around you. So there is, I think, going to be some advantage in that. And I'm really excited to see how people take advantage of this ability. We'll be trying to do so from the get go here. Totally. And, and if it can successfully accomplish that as a use case, then that's a passive that's replacing a lot of what you'll use a Bloodhound scan for. So in that way, it's very powerful and it's probably better than Wraith's passive of being able to just know if somebody's mm-hmm. looking at you. It's more pointed. So in that way, it could be very powerful, but I think potentially we got to see it. We got to see it for sure. Yeah. Next, we have the tactical focus of attention. Seer releases several mini drones and after a delay, they mark all enemies in front of him, interrupting their use of healing items, revives and revealing their location and health to Seer and his allies for eight seconds. This range also lines up with the heartbeat sensor being about 80 meters. Yeah, this tactical is making waves in the community. We got a couple of some more details from further notes from lead game designer Daniel Klein. I'm going to read you guys a tweet he put out kind of explaining in, in a bit more detail. He said, one important detail that I think we don't talk about enough yet is that Sears tactical is super high precision. Bloodhound scan blankets an entire POI. Seer is much more like a sniper rifle. It's a tunnel about big enough for one legend. So actually hitting the thing is really hard, and there's plenty of play time for your enemy to dodge. You get plenty of warning. If you do get hit, though, you are revealed for a real long time. Plus, I've seen people worried about silence. The silence lasts about a second or so. It's meant to be an interrupt, not like a forever silence like Revenant. This is a tactical that is very interesting. You and I have been spitballing back and forth through text and behind the scenes about this one. We are incredibly excited to see it come to the game, see how it actually plays out. There is room for this thing to be incredibly oppressive and very, very powerful. When you start talking about interrupting heals, revives, abilities, revealing people for eight seconds at a time, that can be very powerful. So I do hope that it is a very difficult ability to potentially use and not one where we're going to start feeling like, why would I ever use a bloodhound if I have a seer, which is what it feels like a lot of social media is reaching to at this point in time. Certainly. I mean, the difficulty of using this tactical is going to play a major role in its power. Um, Totally. Just being able to reveal someone for eight seconds and know their health bar, that alone is Very, very valuable information. I think Mm -hmm. as a team, if you are able to hit those, that's close to being game-breaking, being able to Mm -hmm. 100% be able to instantly communicate to your team when somebody is actually one-shot, when they're healing, things like that. And not even considering the fact that you can interrupt revives, you can interrupt them popping the bat. This could be very, very good. But based off what Klein said about how it's difficult to use, um, based off of looking at the trailer, which could be misleading, the activation mm-hmm. time on this tactical seemed to be about half a second. It wasn't super long. It also does have a light effect, like a visual, most comparable to a Bloodhound scan. Um, so I could see there being potentially some warning, but the fact that it happened so fast, I'm not sure about the dodge ability. Uh, mm-hmm. of this. Obviously, um, I, I hear what Klein is saying about the fact that it only has room for one enemy. Based off of the trailer, it seems like about the center third of the HUD or about 
35 degrees is where you'll actually be able to hit. Compare that to a bloodhound scan that's 125 degrees, you're really just broad strokes with that scan. With this one, mm -hmm. I think you're going to have to know about where they're at in order to get this incredibly valuable intel that for most, I think for all intensive purposes, it's going to be a kill shot, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like shaking this is going to be really, really hard. It's going to be very difficult to, yeah, shake the tactical if it happens on you. I think it's really interesting in terms of like when we start to talk team comp, I think people are going to very much directly compare Bloodhound to Seer for the time being. Like, you know, it sounds very similar, revealing people, both recon, both scanning, that kind of stuff. It's going to be interesting, though, if they are the ones that are kind of like going up against each other. Do you want to play with a more forgiving tactical that will reveal information and kind of guarantee that you're going to find out stuff or go into it with like, well, if I do hit this, it's going to be incredibly oppressive, but there is a more likely shot than the Bloodhound tactical that I miss it. And what is the risk reward? Yeah. The cooldown will determine that potentially. There's going to be so much that kind of goes into this ability. But I think you and I are both on the same page that it has the potential to be an incredible ability, which is essentially now needed if you're not going to have mobility in your kit to make waves. Yeah, I mean, it certainly will be. And that's a really great point. The fact that this is a tracker legend only. There's no mm -hmm. offensive, there's no mobility, there's no support abilities. This is information game only, and that's something that we really haven't seen before. Yeah. It's also important to note that this scan isn't like a Bloodhound scan, where it's the full body through walls. You're gaining mm -hmm. their position with a marker that's like a crypto or a, a Valk. You're not going to know what direction they're looking, and so mm -hmm. it isn't fully as valuable. And Bloodhound's been receiving nerfs and nerfs and nerfs. That's possibly for Seer to come in and have a chance. But you have to keep in mind, Bloodhound in ult has multiple scans in a short duration. Very Fast hard to replace that. You know, yeah. if Seer is coming into this game with a target on Bloodhound, I don't know if you could shoot any higher than that in terms of mm -hmm. trying to compete with a legend. Um, so best of luck to Seer. Best of luck this year. That's a very, very nice way to put it. But it's it's good to be noted. Like Bloodhound upon release was not a legend that was very powerful. There was a lackluster power in the kit. It took a long time for Bloodhound to kind of come into their own. Crypto, another recon legend, still hasn't really made immense waves in the game. And so if you're like listening to this pod, listening to this ability and being like, I'm concerned that Seer is going to be absolutely broken, there's yet to be a track record of an information game character coming in and having a drastic immediate impact. And so, yes, maybe if this is an incredibly good ability, that's a good thing. We talked with the devs. They want to bring in characters very powerful. We've already had reports of them saying, we'll you know we'll patch things quickly if need be if it's over the top oppressive so i think something coming into the game being powerful that's a good thing this could do that it could not at the same time so we will play in circles at this point we'll yeah. see yeah finally gotta mention the ultimate ability it's called exhibit which i think is a really awesome name seer throws out his heart chamber which releases hundreds of mini drones that form a sphere 
Enemies that move quickly or fire their weapons in the sphere are marked, revealing their location and footsteps to Seer and his allies. Enemies can destroy the heart chamber by shooting and destroying it in a similar manner to stopping Crypto or Horizon's ultimate abilities. Really, really cool. I think, first off, you said it, but I got to double down on it. The name, awesome. Like, come on, I'm about to say I'm popping my exhibit or something like that. We'll figure out the best lingo, but it's a great name. I think of just like a butterfly exhibit. That it yeah. it's like a mini drone like butterfly exhibit. I think it it really is a great name. This ultimate is really cool. I will hammer home that the my favorite part about his kit at so far and from the trailers is the UI. It looks absolutely beautiful in game, these blue micro drones. And I think this is gonna be a really awesome thing to see in game. From the trailer. Henry and I are a little cautious right now on this the power of this ultimate. The reveal of the enemies seems to be very footstep oriented and you're not going to actually be able to kind of like how we've been talking about see which direction these people are facing. Is someone ADSed looking right at the place you would come in or are they running out the back door? And so while you're gaining information there might not be room for you to feel like incredibly confident and just going all all in on someone but this ultimate it did it in the trailer it's going to be able to couple with that tactical in a very powerful way it seems like we're going to get to work right away on trying to master mm-hmm. seer and we'll hit you two weeks after the season as always with the mastering the legends but an early indication is that all the power is going to be packed into the tactical as mm-hmm. most legends are yep using the tactical effectively you have two options it seems you can use the passive to go in stealth in order to place it or you can use the ultimate to go big go home make some noise but hopefully get the payoff of getting some intel and then isolating one with the tactical and just putting the nail in so that's kind of my initial grasp on their kit but Mm -hmm. we definitely have to open up this can and figure out how do you master an intel only legend it's gonna be mm-hmm. tricky we'll uh we'll give you guys some first impressions next week before we do the full full deep dive where you guys learn how to become the best seer players out there but i think we're both incredibly excited for this legend to come into the game from a character model lore standpoint and trying something really cool with the abilities we'll see if it works or not let's talk legend changes though that have so far come out I'm excited to kind of dive into these and get your thoughts. We're going to start with Caustic. Instead of five ticks of damage per second, Caustic's gas will now increase in damage every other second. So, for example, five damage, five damage, then six damage, then six damage, then seven damage, then seven damage, with no limit on how much it can increase. The gas cloud you create from Caustic's Nox gas grenade also will now dissipate five seconds sooner approximately 20 seconds from the original 25 seconds this has been marked as a buff by the uh press team that put this out what are your first impressions on this theoretical buff yeah i mean this is a damage increase to the gas in general um Mm -hmm. and so that is a good thing for the caustic mains this does not appear to be a revert to what the gas used to be it definitely Mm -hmm. seems to me like a happy medium that If somebody's sitting in the gas for 10 seconds, it's going to hurt at that point. It's going to get up to be doing 10 10 damage a tick. It's going to be substantial. 
And I think that's exactly what it needs to be. Um, I don't think it's going to return to where it was. If you ask me where it was, wasn't game breaking, but I understand acoustic meta is not a great meta. So I think Mm -hmm. this is a really happy medium. Um, And then a slight nerf to the ultimate, um, I think is an interesting take. I think it's always weird when you have a underperforming legend and you decide to give and take a little bit when Mm -hmm. they are already low. But I understand you you have to be a bit hesitant with a legend like Caustic. I'm excited to hear the Caustic main's opinions. I know a lot of them are... Well, you nerfed caustic, and that's a buff for me, actually, mm-hmm. because that means less caustic, and that means my gas does more. So I wonder if this will be a a buff to the caustic player that doesn't really f- impact the amount of caustic you see, which would then double down and be another buff for caustic. So that's kind of like one another thing to keep your eye out for. Could be really cool, though. Revenant. Enemies will get an audible and visual indication when Death Totem's death protection is about to end, letting them know that Revenant and his allies are about to be vulnerable. Very interesting UI change, potentially. Yeah, I have to be honest, didn't see something like this coming. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a very creative approach to trying to limit the power of the death protection. Um, In my head, this seems like, you know, you're in this red dark form while you're in death protection. When you get down to the the five second mark or so of its uh, duration, maybe you change color and there's also a flash mm-hmm. of sound. Um, that's interesting because that's not really a change to power. All that does is give a a bit of an edge to the receiving side to say, okay, I'm not going to shoot. I'm just going to mm-hmm. take it from this revenant or whoever's in death protection and I'm going to wait for them to expire and then I'm going to fry them. It, Hard it to gives tell, a, I think, it, but it gives a very good pathway for the rev meta to be a bit more legible. We yeah. saw the decrease in totem time with the last change to Revenant. Now we're seeing, okay, not only are you now going to not be able to be in there as long, people are going to be able to know and potentially outplay. We talked about the difficulty of playing Revenant. This is going to add to it because dying while you attacked with a totem because your you know death protection ran out is one of the most demoralizing things that can happen to a rev team and, and it's over it's brutal it's over yeah. at that point you can't recover from that yeah. you're in a three on two and you know henry and i our thoughts on three on two once you get into three on two you get dubs right pretty much you want to find yourself on the on the right side of the numbers um yeah. this perceived nerf is really Limiting your aggression ability as mm-hmm. a rep, although you want to full send and make sure you get returned after dealing some damage, knowing that maybe the team will know that you are very vulnerable means you can't fully extend or you can't fully rush as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a nerf. But on the other hand, if enemies are hesitant to shoot you, maybe you can do even more damage than before. So totally. I don't know if this is a full nerf. I'm interested if maybe mm-hmm. there's any more to this change to Rev. Um, but this is one to look for, for sure. Next up, we have Horizon. Horizon's ability to maneuver while in the air on her gravity lift is adjusting to be closer to how it was in Season 7. Prior to her substantial nerfs in the following seasons, it is not a total revert, though. 
do you have some first impressions of what this could potentially do for the game? I got a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> I think Horizon was done wrong. I think a lot of people would agree. Um, if this is purely a buff to her air strafing ability while using the tactical, I think it's pretty clear that's not enough. The speed of the lift was hit pretty hard, and then not being able to stay at the top was also hit pretty hard. And so only changing one of the five major hits to Horizon, I don't know if that's going to be enough to bring her back yeah. up in line with a middle tier legend like Pathfinder. So mm -hmm. it, I don't know if this is enough, but I'm not, I also don't know really what the objectives are for this. I think yeah. that Horizon is still, you can play her, but she's definitely not the mobility legend with amazing vertical movement as she once was. No. And that's uh, it's going to be exciting to see what this does, if it changes anything for her, because there were some Horizon mains out there that got hit pretty, pretty dang hard. Like uh, It felt like a Pathfinder in one season over the course of three or four. So we'll see. Last but not least, though, we have Fuse, one that Henry and I are quite excited about and passionate for. Fuse's knuckle cluster will last twice as long, allowing him to deny areas for longer. That's the first change. Second, enemies caught in the mother load will be highlighted even if they are in a building or behind a wall, making it easier for Fuse and his allies to plan their follow-up attack. Which one of these do you want to cover first? The tactical. The tactical is crazy because first, like, I, I we might have read it differently. Like, the first time I read this, though, I heard twice as long, double the damage. Do you guys, like, if you're listening, do you understand what double the damage to a knuckle cluster would be doing to y'all? It would be killer. If you're sticking a knuckle cluster, which I believe is quite doable in this mm -hmm. game, you're going from doing 45 damage to 90 damage. Mm-hmm. It's like an arc star. That'd be bad. That would be a yeah. bad day. Being stunned for twice as long and doing double the damage would be a massive buff. Like stop the show not having specifics not having the patch notes and not having our hands on the update yet hard to determine if that's the case or if this is a situation where this is a give and a take and we are distributing mm -hmm. the 45 potential damage across a longer time frame if that's the case then this is a damage nerf because if you mm -hmm. don't actually get the stick you're doing way way less damage than you were before so Area control, potentially a buff. The damage, who knows? It could be epic or it could be a nerf on the damage side. Yep. We'll see. We don't need to dive too far into this because we can talk endlessly about the power of that knuckle cluster if something happens, but we'll find out more for y'all next week. But this motherload stuff is very interesting because it adds an actual different use for the motherload. There is now a reason to actually use a mother load if people are in a small building or behind cover. Like right now, if someone was inside, in what situation would you ever use a mother load on them? Now you're going to get intel on them for an extended period of time. And we know how powerful intel is. People are freaking out about Seer. We love Bloodhound. Uh, crypto is really fun if you have someone that knows how to use them well. This could be a really cool addition to the kit not only in just overall power but just in the complexity to play fuse 
I'm really hoping that this is a strong change to the mother load. It needs it more than any other ability in the game, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm hoping for is that this is a infinite column of highlighting, that it will go below the mother load and above the mother load, yep. um, and that it'll reveal them for the entire duration of the ultimate. If it is a variation of that and that you have to either touch the mother load or be uh, you know, on the same horizontal plane as the mother load or if there's some flexibility as to the height of that column, it may not be as great as we're looking for it to be. But mm-hmm. I think having intel, as we always say, is is really key. So this will be a nice buff for Fuse. Regardless of what happens, I think this will encourage people to play them. No doubt. Well, before we get into the changes to the weapons, here's a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Time to dive into the weapons. This is your passion, HP. Walk everybody through some crazy changes that we're going to be seeing this season. Yeah, truly some some staggering changes uh, to the entirety of Apex in means of the weapons. Um, first and foremost, uh, we're looking at a Season 10 Battle Pass reactive skin for the Volt. Um, it looks divine in the trailer. Don't think there's <laughs> ever been a skin this good. I very, mm-hmm. very strongly believe this is the best skin in the game ever. And of course, you'd love to see that. Always improving with the Battle yep. Pass. <laughs> I love it. More important matters, we have a new weapon, the Rampage. This is a heavy ammo LMG that, as we kind of anticipated, could take a thermite grenade to charge its rate of fire to be faster. It also breaks down doors. Um, It does have a smaller clip size, it appears, than other LMGs with a max of about 26 shots. And interesting. I mean, we're essentially getting a new LMG that all the developers have said, this will help us define what an LMG means in Apex Legends. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really interesting to see where it fits in. We're going to talk about the Spitfire changes in a little bit, but to see them pretty much slide one out and slide one in is fascinating. Is it going to be like the Sentinel in that it is a weapon that you almost feel like you have to be upgrading slash charging it to use it in an effective manner i'm really excited to break down the actual statistics we get with this gun when it comes out and see how it lines up with even like the old spitfire just out of like curiosity to see what they're kind of thinking in general or is this going to be a thing where well this isn't going to be a great weapon for uh rampart because it's an lmg but this could also be a great weapon for Fuse with yes. his ability to stack thermite grenades and carry them in his inventory. And so that could be something that is another little just special little character versus weapon lineup that could be really, really cool in the game. 100%. And it's really important to look out for those. Um, and so, yeah, Fuse could be getting a new, very powerful weapon uh, to his arsenal in terms of carrying those thermites. He spins his 30-30 around right now every time he grabs it, and now he's going to be real excited about his fire gun that he's got on the side. No doubt about it. The other kind of tricky LMG in the game is the L-Star. This thing, I think, was a very hot topic in Season 9 with arenas and its its price and its power potential. Um, I've definitely enjoyed using it in all game modes, um, but it's getting some major changes. 
Yeah. The L-Star now takes barrel stabilizers. Got to stop right there. <laughs> That's a huge deal. This weapon yes. has been traditionally the most crazy muzzle flash you ever saw. A barrel stabilizer could impact that. And mm-hmm. it also has just crazy recoil in terms of its rate of fire. So putting a barrel stabilizer on any gun really shakes things up. That alone is something that you have to highlight. Definitely. Outside of that, the L-Star also now takes extended energy magazines. And this is interesting because the L-Star doesn't really have a magazine. Um, But (laughs) the higher level energy mags will increase the time it takes for the L-Star to overheat. And it will cause it to cool down faster when it does. Powerful attachment uh, for an already Mm -hmm. fairly powerful weapon. Um, This does help, I think, make the L-Star more approachable because I think you'll have a better indication of uh, how much you can fire. At least I hope so. It appears that we now have kind of a display as to how many shots Mm -hmm. you have until it will overheat. Um, That's a big change. And so something like the L-Star could become a very approachable weapon that not only has the flexibility of not having to reload, but now has the ability to make that even stronger with less cooldown for overheating and and faster uh, recovery like Rampart has. I'm really excited for this to impact the health of the energy weapons in general as well. Being able to translate your attachments from gun to gun. It, it sucked when you were like, I want to use a Volt. I found a purple mag, but I have to carry the L-Star so I can carry energy ammo. But now I'm carrying attachments in my backpack, taking up space. It's a slippery slope at yeah. that point. And this is going to help the health of that class in general kind of come together a little bit more. I'm really excited to see, you know, the L-Star has statistically and, you know, for reputation-wise, been a gun that's like, oh, what's the advantage? Well, you can carry it to the, you know, end game. It might not be as good at the end game, but you don't have to worry about grabbing your mags. You don't have to worry about grabbing a barrel stabilizer to make it better. Is it going to be a much, much worse gun on the low point? And then what's the ceiling going to be for it now with all of its attachments is something that I think we're both looking forward to kind of finding out seeing if this thing, does it line up with the devotion now at all as in terms of LMGs? Hard to make a, a crazy call like that, but I'm hoping not, for Not it. calling Honestly, my shot. I, I'm not calling my shot. you potentially give it a slight buff with all purple attachments, including a mag and mm-hmm. a barrel stabilizer. This thing could be really powerful and more approachable because it has that loot progression. But as yep. you mentioned, I mean, this is a huge buff to loot quality of life. As you mentioned, the case yep. study of your favorite weapon is the Volt. This now makes it easier um, to get there. Totally. Next up, we have the EVA 8. It's got a rate of fire decrease in Season 10. We will see what the damage is um, of mm-hmm. this change upon release. Um, it doesn't seem like it's it like, was a baseline nerf. It seemed that yeah. as you got uh, shotgun bolts, the, the improvement was less and less. So mm-hmm. we'll see. The EVA has a long way to go to be brought down into line with the mm-hmm. other shotguns. I don't know if this is this is the thing that will do it, but potentially it will make it a lot more fair for Season 10. Yeah, the uh, for the EVA to not be the superior shotgun, we would need to see a nerf coupled with buffs to the other shotguns to bring this thing down all the way. So I have a feeling if you've fallen in love with the EVA this last season, 
you're still going to be pretty happy with its damage output as a shotgunner. Um, I'm really excited for this. I'm excited to just see if we're going to have to uh, redo our shotgun meta episode again, which it feels like we're doing each and every season right now. Yeah, uh, certainly uh, we will see what what the damage (laughs) is and uh, we'll report back. The next thing is a great secret of Apex Legends, and it's being revealed now in Season 10 and at the same time changed. Um, (laughs) We've talked about it before on the show, if you've been a astute listener, but your reload speed actually increases with the rarity of your extended mag. Crazy. The impact of it is, you know, portions of a second. You're looking at a quarter Mm -hmm. of a second for most ARs, um, but it's a very substantial increase in your actual reload speed. Um, That perk, coupled to the extended mag attachment, is being shifted to the stocks in the game. I thought this was hilarious in terms of timing because we literally just did a loot episode last week. And I know for a fact I said verbatim, if you're just trying to get a stock, it doesn't even matter. Don't worry about it. So we got a asterisk on that last episode, me saying that one little thing, because now your stocks are important. You said it a quarter of a second. That's an actual fight changing amount of time. Whether yeah. it comes down to getting that final reload off the, a weapon swap or something, this will actually, that's an impactful number. It makes a difference. It's not something we should just gloss over. Pick up your stocks now. Put a priority on them even. Like if you have a purple extended mag and you're going through Loba's Black Market Boutique, maybe pick up that purple stock over an extra bat or something now at this point. Like that is an actual consideration you will be making in game at this point. Totally. And this also applies to the sniper stocks. Um, And it's just interesting because as you mentioned, Shay, this is a quality of life improvement for the loot pool. This is for the first Mm -hmm. time in almost two and a half years, giving the stock a meaningful priority on your loot progression. So this is great. I love this. Um, Mm-hmm. The weird thing about this is the L-Star is still going to be an outlier <laughs> in that I don't believe the L-Star will have this benefit tied to the stock because it appears that their weird reload cooling after overheating is attached to the extended mag. So yeah. it's possible that if you are running the L-Star, the stock still does what it's always done <laughs> and it may not be your top priority. So interesting caveat there. Finally, in terms of interesting changes on the weapons, we have sniper stocks now attached to marksmen's. Um, this is interesting. This is interesting. I don't know how this will affect my game with the G7, but I honestly really like yeah. this. I think it is just they've these changes. I think are going to be great for the loot pool. There's actual reasons to look at stocks, and there's actual benefits given to. Sniper stocks. If you thought we didn't care about stocks, guys, we really didn't care about finding a purple sniper stock. Yeah. A little bit more priority now on this for sure and something that is going to be awesome and not a huge disappointment when you see a purple sniper stock in your crafting rotation for the day. Totally. I think they heard our our episode on five ways to win more. I really do because <laughs> the stocks got elevated a lot and I agree with you that it's going to change up, you know, maybe your ability to get a stock on those marksmans, but it's also going to even out the loot pool to make it more valuable. And I think that if you do that, we're also going to see 
drop percentage changes on loot items like sniper stocks. So I think this is going to be a net positive for everybody. I agree. Let's talk about hop-ups though now. Hop-ups are something that you and I are both fascinated by, have a passion for. We were fortunate enough to talk with David Bocek about them and kind of learn more. And we got some changes to them this season. No more anvil. That's no more. That's gone. Along with quick draw also removed the quick draw the decrease effect is going to be built back into the re45 and wingman in some way kind of nice you are guys already know that we're not like a huge like quick draw advocate it's not a big game changer and we're getting a new hop up before we talk about the new hop up though you can ode to the anvil rounds if you would like for a little bit the anvil was the most powerful hop-up in Apex Legends. <laughs> it dra- Having it be removed drastically shifts the power rating of the R301 and the flatline, and it elevates the marksman rifles exponentially. It, it, this 100%. was a very, very powerful hop-up. There was no other hop-up in the game that I think you had a bigger reason to be looting. The turbocharger was very strong, but because it was so rare that you were going to risk it and carry a weapon without it. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the same level of impact as the anvil. So the anvil will be missed and its absence will be filled with the marksman's. So look out for that. It's an interesting direction for the weapon pool. Agreed. We got a new hop up though, boosted loader. This hop up goes on the hemlock and the wingman and changes the gun so that they reload faster and get bonus ammo if reloaded at the right time. Similar to Dadai's tempo, it is timing-based. Interesting one, because I'm yeah. being completely honest with you. More ammo and faster reloads, I think, are a lot more of a benefit than the Dadai's tempo increased fire rate in succession. This is something that will, I think, actually be of importance and when we're going to have to stat out and see how intensive a change it actually is. 100%. I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's going to be a gold hop up. It sounds very good. Um, I can also say that I dislike the hemlock. I really struggle to use that weapon right now. And so I'm very much looking for a hop up to make the difference. And having something go on the hemlock and the wingman, I think is a perfect fit. I do have questions though. What does bonus ammo mean? Does this mean an extended, extended mag? Or does it yeah. mean you're getting you're generating ammo for free into your inventory? Oh man, I assumed I assumed extended, extended yeah. mag in my reading, but I guess that makes sense as well what you're saying on the back half of that as well. An extended, extended mag is a huge, huge thing. Especially for both of yes. those weapons as well, like a three round burst gun yeah. and a gun that has a limited ammo capacity single fire as well. Yeah. So this could be a major hop up that really does shift uh, where both these weapons sit uh, in the lineup. Yep. Let's do it. Care package time. All a right, sweet, baby. sweet passion. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it. They listened to the pod. We talked with David. We gave him some ideas, guys. You're welcome. Not just kidding. We called Maybe. it, you know. <laughs> the prowler's back on the ground. Hurrah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. with the slight caveat that there is no more select fire capability. It's burst mode mm-hmm. only. Five round burst, heavy SMG. 
that is not something it's interesting we've talked about it before the burst versus the full auto what do you do auto obviously gives you a little bit more room for error forgiveness but the burst fire is the more powerful option as it you know burst tends to be when that is an option so what does this mean for top tier lobbies where this gun is now so powerful it was a care package gun that now it's coming back to the ground with no change because in theory a lot of very high level players and pros already used it burst only exclusively and now is it going to be a gun that newer players can come in and approach going to be one to monitor yeah i mean like you said the skilled players always did burst faster dps or higher mm-hmm. DPS and the ability to hit those headshots with the five round burst is very powerful. Um, the Prowler did not get a buff when it went into the care package. Yeah. It's incredible strength is the fact that it has a maximum magazine size of 35 shots. It's crazy. That's crazy. The next closest SMG <laughs> is 27. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a huge margin of difference for the Prowler. If it's the case that this thing comes back on the ground and the only change is that it can't full auto, you're looking at a at a very powerful weapon finally returning. I will have to say, though, burst weapons are hard to use. And if totally. you're looking at a weapon that's easy, I don't know if the Prowler is going to be it. Five-round burst is an interesting story. Shay and I mm-hmm. both very much like this weapon. But will it be a better option than the Volt? For most players, I think is something that we have to we have to wait and see a little bit. Really excited though to see and if you've been with us for a long time, you know we've been asking for the prowler back on the ground for a long time. In its place, we have two weapons. Number one, Whoa. Spitfire is getting packed. Its damage is being reverted to pre-nerf season nine. Powerful weapon. I think this explains a lot. Um, to mm-hmm. how they approach the Spitfire, its power, what they did during Season 9. Um, unquestioned, this is a very powerful weapon. The impact put into the care package, though, I think is going to be major, and I think a lot of yeah. players are going to feel it. This The Spitfire was by far the most popular weapon across all skill buckets and the most powerful. Removing mm-hmm. it from the game and putting it into the care package is going to really affect the game in my eyes. And we we are assuming, I think, both you and I, that the replacement, the Rampage, will not be as powerful just because of its charge and capability and that kind of stuff. And that's essentially the swap we are making. The Spitfire being in the care package, for one thing, will also mean that you could see a lot of players that have fallen in love with the Spitfire over the last you know, season and a half, mm-hmm. pushing for care packages more often than they used to be because that is the become the favorite weapon for people. We did say the same thing about the PK, though, when it went in and that really, you know, it went by and nobody really ended up caring. So I'm really interested to see how this one unfolds with people. Yeah, taking it out of the game, I think that's going to hurt a lot of hearts. There, There mm-hmm. isn't a more popular weapon right now. So we'll see um, how it impacts potentially player retention, amount of streamers, ranked mm-hmm. uh, distributions. I think this one's going to be felt. It's not going to be felt any less than by Rampart mains. Mm-hmm. Having the Spitfire removed from the ground loop is the biggest nerf you could do to Rampart in my eyes. 
She just got the cool reload animation. Major L. Like, seriously, <laughs> a major L. I, I really think that that was a shame, although we had predicted the Spitfire was on the on the waiting list for the care package. I mm-hmm. didn't think they would do Rampart like that. And she really is the Spitfire legend. Now she doesn't have that. We can only hope that the Rampage lines up with Rampart. Yep, totally. Now the big news. We though. also the got another news. weapon that we may have <laughs> predicted, folks. The alternator is also going to the care package with disruptor rounds. Okay, refresh the folks. If in case they don't know what disruptors are, which would be hard at this point, but in case they don't know, give them the quick refresher. Season two, a new hop up came into the game, going on the alternator with hammer point and the RA forty five. Mm-hmm. And it did more damage to shields. Major shift to the weapon pool. It made the alternator better than the R9, better than the R3. Talk to me about the RE45. They were very powerful with the disruptive rounds. The fact that we are getting them back in the game makes you want to push these care packages more than ever, in my eyes. I yep. loved the Prowler. Alternator with disruptors is on a new level. We very much always thought that the care package was for powerful weapons. We learned that that isn't always the case, and sometimes it is to kind of like rotate stuff into the loot pool, keep things fresh. This season, more than any other season, is going to be the test of the care package's power, and the care package could potentially equal wins. We will see how this breaks down in our strategy guide, but these are two weapons that are incredible. And for the people that are freaking out about the alternator with disruptor saying like, hey, it's the most broken thing. We're going to have the most broken meta. I've seen that floating around on social media from people. Guys, a care package gun cannot be the meta. There's not enough of them in the game. This is going to be a powerful gun. Pick it up when you find it. We told people to still pick up the Prowler when it went into the care package and we saw people still leaving it in the care pack. Please don't make that mistake with the alternator or the spitty this upcoming season. Don't do it, folks. These changes to the care package and the ground loot will also be reflected in arenas. So you won't be able to buy the Spitfire or the alternator. You will be able to get the Prowler, um, but then these weapons will also be coming down in the care package in arenas. Totally. That kind of wraps up all the stuff we have confirmed. In terms of map changes, we're not really talking about that stuff. We're going to play them and then explain explain our thoughts. We touched on them briefly. We're excited to get to you guys next week with everything else that comes along with this patch. But besides that, any early predictions that you have right now for meta, for other changes we might still see coming next week that have been rumored for a while, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I think that you look at the swap of the Prowler and the Alternator. That's a major shift to the SMG meta. A lot of players love the alternator. It's a very approachable, forgiving, easier to use weapon based off its rate of fire, damage, clip size. Taking that out, I think, hurts the majority of players. Likewise, the Spitfire is very approachable for most players in the game. By taking both those weapons out and replacing them with a weird Thermite LMG and a burst. SMG, I believe you're raising the skill level of Apex Legends. You're making it harder to master, harder to play. There's the weapons are more difficult to use. That really remains to be seen, but that's an early prediction that I think that 
this season is going to be one of the hardest seasons of Apex yet. And Mm -hmm. every player is going to have to change what weapons they use for the most part, how they loot. Um, You know, if you're fortunate enough to be a G7 lover, you're not going to be scathed (laughs) the whole lot outside of using the sniper stock. But you have to be careful. If you use SMGs, ARs, LMGs, I think this season is going to force you to make substantial changes to how you play. There's going to be actual meta shifts right now, and that's exciting, in my opinion. I think it's going to be really cool. But yeah, new players are going to be in a tough spot coming into a map that is getting changes, but is a map that people love, has been around for a long time, and people know incredibly well. And they already know these weapons that are coming back. There's going to be a steep learning curve for some new players. I hope that in the grand scheme of things, though, it's not something that actually affects player retention or anything along those lines and that everybody can find their love for a easy-to-use weapon like the R301 and then can find their love for the G7 all That's over again right. and That's have some right. success. Have some success. R301 a warm-up gun for the G7. So you, you got to master that one first, and then you can move on to the G7. Sure. Also have to mention that these aren't the extended patch notes, that we don't know all the changes. We'll be back next week with the release. Some additional legend changes that I think we'd like to see in these notes are a mention that Octane is the most popular across the whole game. Are we okay with that? Yes or no? Is there going to be a buff or a nerf or nothing? Mm -hmm. Crypto is the least popular legend in the game. Is there going to be a buff? Watson has been exposed as not being as powerful as developers have said. Is she going to get a substantial buff this season. Rampart losing the Spitfire, is she going to get something to replace that or is she just going to be ignored at the bottom? Lifeline, early on in the season, when we had the devs on the show, they said maybe they made a mistake and they gave her an accidental buff. Pick rate Mm -hmm. has gone down across the season. I don't think we're going to get a nerf to Lifeline based off of that. And then we've also had some rumors from developers that Gibraltar could get some sizable change in how his entire kit functions we probably would have known that already but it's a potential so there could still be Mm -hmm. a lot to unveil about season 10 and the legends totally we'll be coming at you next week with quality of life stuff maybe some specific numbers on a couple things and anything else that is uh in there that we didn't talk about today and map stuff it's gonna be really fun next week's gonna be awesome new season this was a fun episode today we're gonna end it up with a five-star question. If you want your question answered, please leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Pods, and we'll make sure it's featured on the show. This one's coming from AERAM99. Love this show. Really great breakdown driven by data points and the host experience as regular players, not just the pred slash pro perspective. Here's a question, guys. With new weapons being added and the devs expressing concerns over the loot pool, what would you think about removing gold helmets and removing helmets entirely except gold and just having your helmets match your body armor secondly what are your thoughts on dropping with white backpacks interesting idea fun the weapon pool is something that we've drastically shifted our perspective on do we have too many how do we approach that is the replicator an option is the care package an option i think that right now we have finally gotten four weapons into the care package which i think was needed um Agreed. Honestly, this is what we called for. You know, we are getting a perfect SMG meta with light, Mm -hmm. energy, and heavy. It's perfect. We now don't have two 
light SMGs with made no sense on the ground. In terms mm-hmm. of that pool, I think we're we're doing great. Removing helmets is an interesting thing to pose because mm-hmm. helmets are hard to gauge their value in game. How do you know if you're actually being protected by a helmet? The enemy has to hit a headshot and then it's marginal, you know, the impact that it has. Could you take them out of the game? Um, and if you did, I think you'd also have to take away the gold helmet and put that onto something else or, or do away with it entirely. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a good question. It's a, it's a good question. And honestly, if the devs sat down and said, I, we need to get rid of helmets, we need more loot pool room. I don't think your proposal is that bad of an idea. No. Just making it match up with armor. I do think Henry's right though. I think gold wouldn't be able to stay in. It would have to be move to another item in some way shape or form or the ability be uh, vaulted altogether dropping with backpacks though dropping with a purple backpack please at this point that's my dream right yeah inventory is everything in a br doing something like that would be major in apex Mm -hmm. lead game designer is adamant that he does not like the idea of even a common bag uh being in the drop kit so unlikely at this point Last time they shifted something like this, it was one of the biggest changes we've seen with stack sizes changing, starting inventory sizes changing. Like if this something like this happened, it'd be a very big deal. We'd get you get a couple episodes on it, probably. No doubt. So no doubt. That's gonna wrap it up though. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at third party pod and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the third party podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom! Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.